So we base this current teaching series, Family Matters, on some uh, inquiry I made at the start of the year where I just asked folks, what's the one thing that's most likely to keep you awake at night? And one of the things that came back were a number of different things concerning family. And so what we've done now is last week I started this series called Family Matters, and I talked about making room for God. And the key is this. If we want to grow strong families, our faith needs to go home with us. It can't stay in church. And today what I want to do is I call today's teaching, I want to talk about children, parenting in particular. Today I called doing your best, trusting God with the rest, which is a big one. Because in the end of the day, all we can do is our best. And as parents, sometimes we mess up, right? That's great. We've got three honest people in church. The rest of you obviously need to be here. Yes, so, no, but we do. We don't, you know, in retrospect, oh, that wasn't probably, you know, but the fact is, the fact is, overall, we're doing our best. But then trusting God. Let me ask you this. How many of you here today are parents? Okay. How many of you would say that parenting is difficult at times? Yep, okay, gotcha. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Of course, we've got single parents here who would say difficult isn't, you know, difficult is, is not what it is. It's beyond difficult. And I appreciate that that's another challenge as well. Uh, some, any empty nesters here? Your children have gone, right? Yeah, they're the people who are smug. Yeah. There you go. They're the people with the biggest smiles here today, right? They, yeah. And, but then there's some of your perhaps boomerang parents. They came back. Right? You thought they left, but they came back. So it's like, there goes retirement. And then we got grandparents here today. Yeah? Yeah, they're smiling. And then, you know, for all of us, there in our lives somewhere, there are younger people and there are children that we do have impact and influence over. Going back to that verse that I, I read with, with Robin Carra just now, um, Psalm 127. I'm reading it from a slightly different translation. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Now, some of you may need to tell yourselves that again this morning. Because <laughs> last night was Saturday night, and sometimes it's not the easiest night when you've got kids, Right? Children are a gift from the Lord. In fact, it goes further than that. They are a reward from Him. And since children are a gift from the Lord, what we do with that gift is important. That's why we need to fully recognize and believe in the role of a parent. As a parent, your actions, your beliefs, your values are going to be the greatest influence on that young life. Your beliefs, your values, your actions are what is going to shape that young life. Children look upon their parents as their heroes. They develop and grow to be very much like them in many ways. And that's God's design, because God created family. 
In Mark's gospel, chapter 9 and verse 36, it says this about Jesus. He put a child in the middle of the room, then cradling the little one in his arms, he said, whoever embraces one of these children as I do, embraces me. And far more than me, God who sent me. Do you you see the significance of that? Whoever embraces one of these children, whoever really takes care of a child is, is basically embracing me. And he says far more than that, even they're embracing God, the Father who sent me. So when we care for children, we are doing something that is very, very significant, very important indeed. If you welcome a child, Jesus said, you welcome me. In fact, you welcome the Father who sent me. That puts parenting at a very high level. And if you're a parent here this morning, I want to remind you, you're a parent by destiny. It was part of God's plan because God gave you that gift of children. But it's difficult at times. In fact, you know, if we recognize that children are given us by God and trusted to us by God, that we are the key influencers and shapers of their young lives, it it actually makes me think sometimes when somebody might ask us, uh, what do you do? That we shouldn't refer to our employment. Maybe our answer really should be, I'm a father. What are you? I'm a father. Now, you might be a teacher or a carpenter or whatever else, but those things perhaps come secondary because God willed, wanted, ordained that you should be a parent and entrusted a young life to you. So, what I want to do this morning is I want to just look at three aspects of parenting and uh, Three aspects of raising a child. This is not comprehensive by any means. Smarter people than me have written whole books on this, but you don't have time to read a whole book this morning. So I'm going to give you three things, okay? Number one, your children need your presence. Your children need your presence. I read, I read this brief essay by a third grader. It's entitled, What is a Grandma? Okay, now you grandmothers here, I'm just reading what the kid wrote, okay? Don't take, I'm not saying this, I'm reading what he wrote. A grandmother is a lady who has no children of her own, so she likes other kids. A grandfather is a man grandmother. Grandmothers don't have to do anything except just be there. They're so old, they shouldn't play or run. (laughs) It's just enough to drive us to the store that has the pretend horse and have lots of money ready. (laughs) When they walk, they're slow. But they notice things like pretty leaves and caterpillars. They never say, hurry up. Usually they are fat. but not too fat to tie their shoes. They wear glasses and funny underwear, and they take their teeth out at night. 
They don't have to be smart. <laughs> they just need to answer questions like, why dogs hate cats and how come God isn't married? When they read to us, they never skip or don't mind if we want the same story again. Everybody should try to have a grandma, especially if you don't have a TV. Because grandmas are the only ones who have a lot of time. <laughs> that's, that's, that's brilliant, isn't it? But notice the, notice the end, the closing thing. Because grandmas are the only ones who have a lot of time. The thing children value so highly is your presence, which, to put it another way, is time. And one of the major contributing factors to healthy kids is parents being present in their lives, having time. Now, some of you may say, well, you know what? Uh, my life is so busy and my, I, it is absolutely so full that what I do is, you know what? Once a year, we have a full week at Disney and we do everything. So, you know what? I give my kids quality time and not quantity time. And I'll tell you, you're wrong. Now, you could disagree with me, but I've got the microphone, so I'll keep going, Okay. <laughs> And one day you'll see Jesus and find out I was right, okay? So, you, you may think sort of, well, you know, what are you trying to do? You're trying to make me feel guilty because I don't spend enough time with my kids? Yes. <laughs> if that's the case, yes. Yes. If you are consistently putting yourself and what you want to do for you before them, yes, I hope you feel guilty. I hope you rethink some things. Because here's the thing, parents, kids would much rather have your presence than your money. Here's 20 bucks. Go buy yourself something. Give them 20 minutes of you instead. I mean, your kids would rather have your time than your career because all the hours you're out of the house, you know, those are times they'd love to spend some of that with you. Presence matters. I'll tell you how much presence matters. In John's Gospel, chapter 1 and 14, it says this, the Word, that is Jesus, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus came to us in person, presence. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like Father, like Son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Now, just take a look at, at, at that verse there. Jesus came into this world, and He brought something significant to the table. And what He brought to the table is this. We saw the glory with our own eyes. We saw in Him, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Jesus came to show us what the Father was like, what He was like, so that we could have something to aspire to. Like, that's how I want to be. Presence was important. 
God's redemption of mankind, God's salvation was achieved through Him being with us and His presence teaching us. And more than that, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 14, um, it says this, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So Jesus was here on earth for three and a half years, and then he went back to heaven, and he said this to his followers. He said, but when I go away to heaven, I'm not going to leave you like orphans. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to be within you. Christianity is a faith of presence, God's presence with us through the Holy Spirit, God with us. And the number one thing that kids want is time, presence. And, but then again, presence isn't just being there, because you can be there and not be there, right? That sounds like Chinese to some of you, but but you can. You can be there and not be there. You can be there and be a million miles away. Heck, you know what? Those of you that are married, you've done that. How many, you know, you, your wife's speaking, and then she says, what did I just say? It's like, whoop. Because um, your mind was a million miles away. And you can do that with your kids. It's not just presence. It's perceived presence. They need to know that you are there. You know what that means? It means if you're in the same room as them and watching them play something or do something, but you're on the phone the whole time you're there, they don't perceive that you're present. Presence is giving them your time. Harvard did a 10-year did a study, and they... they their conclusion was the greatest contributing factor to rage, anger, and hostility was not abuse, was not poor discipline from the parents. It wasn't that their parents didn't give them a cell phone. What it was is this. Here was the number one. The number one contributing fa factor to anger, rage, and hostility is the perceived inaccessibility of one or both parents. Kids just want to know they're valuable enough, that they matter enough, that the most important adults in their lives want to spend time with them. They need it. It's essential for their development. Parents, grandparents, of course, tend to do it more because according to that third grader, they've got nothing else to do. So... <laughs> When we moved to Scotland in 1976, and uh, I was going to pastor a church in the northeast of Scotland in this small community, and um, the day we were moving in, a couple of the ladies came to the church, uh, from the church, said, uh, you know, we'll help you kind of put things away if you want and organize, which was, we really appreciated. And uh, one of them was an old lady called Barbara. Now, Barbara, Bar Barbara was a, Barbara was a, wonderful old lady. Um, actually, I just realized when I was thinking about this that when we first met her in 1976, she was actually 60. 
But I was 26, so Barbara seemed old to me when I was 26, you know. Now it's like, yeah, hundreds getting old, but uh, back then, 60 seemed to be old. And when Barbara was helping us settle in, she said, you know, if you want me to babysit for you sometimes, you know, so that, you know, Jill could get to some of the services she might not get to, I'll do that. And Barbara used to babysit every week for, for our kids when they were small. And she loved them, and they loved her. And we were hundreds of miles away from their grandparents. So Barbara became their, like their Scottish grandma. It was, it was a wonderful setup. And because we lived in this small community that was ultra safe, when our kids were really small, one day they might say, you know what, we're going to go see Barbara. So off they'd go. And they go off and they'd walk right through the village to the other end of the village. They'd go knock on Barbara's door. And Barbara always welcomed them, took them in, had stuff for them to do. And she was the best baker ever. Our kids were smart. <laughs> and so Barbara always had f- fresh baked goods there. And so she would set them down, make them comfortable, set everything out. And she'd feed them all this good stuff. And they loved being with her. Because she had time for them, any time. We didn't have to call her up, say, would it be convenient if the kids came and visited next Tuesday at 3 o'clock? They just walked there, knocked on her door, walked in, and she was glad to see them. Listen, our children need our time, and they need our presence. Sometimes we need to cut back on things that are a little more for us. It's an interesting world we live in, isn't it? Where we well, you know what? I, I deserve this for myself. I deserve this for me. I tell people there's only one thing I deserve. I deserve to burn in hell forever, but Jesus rescued me from that. You know, I mean, that's, that's, the, only, that's the only thing I deserve. I mean, that's, that's, honestly, that's my outlook. I don't deserve anything. But God graciously has been good to me. But, it, but you know what? We need to value the gift of God to us. Your child needs your presence. The second thing I'm going to say is this. Your children need your, children need your encouragement. You know that. We all know that. Encouragement does all of us good, doesn't it? Encouragement is something that really lifts all of us. It's food for our souls. In Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18, it says this, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Words can pierce like swords, right? And we can tell our kids whatever we want about sticks and stones breaking your bones. Names are never going to hurt you, but they do. But they do. Words, words can do that. They pierce like swords, the Bible says. And, and, and we need to appreciate our words are powerful. We can either build confidence or we can destroy hope. And I just want to say this is just a, you can ignore this if you want. But the whole concept of telling your kids, you can be anything you want and do anything you want. And it's like, no, they can't. No, they can't. Be real, you know. I mean, if you told me that when I was five years old, I wanted to be a cop, Phil. That's what I wanted to do when I was five years old. I wanted to be a cop. That was, that was it. And that was it. So you tell me you can do anything you want to do. I want to be a cop. 
And then I found out when I was six years old that I was going to be, have to wear glasses the rest of my life. And back then, you had to have 20-20 vision without glasses if you wanted to be a cop. And at six years of age, my life's dreams were shattered. <laughs> and you wonder why I'm a mess. <laughs> no, kids, you know, encourage kids in, you know, in ways that are real. Encourage kids, you know. Um, our words need to be realistic, but they need to be uplifting. Um, it's so easy to catch kids doing the negative things and to tell them where they've done, gone wrong. Sometimes what we need to do is make a point of catching them doing the right things and commending them. You know, so often if it's the negative all the time, negative all the time, negative all the time, you left that toilet seat up again. You left that toilet seat up again. It's like, hey, good job. I saw the toilet seat was down or whatever, you know, in more significant things in life maybe. But, but to really encourage the right things they are doing. And you know what? Don't expect anything in return from them. You're the adult. And when they get to their teens, expect less. Because <laughs> then you're the adult who's out of touch with real life. But the good thing is, folks, they come round. By the time they're about mid-twenties, they come to think you've suddenly got far smarter than you were when they was a teenager, you know? So, encourage. And don't just encourage based on, like, performance. You, you know what, did, did, did any of you, a lot of you did, right? You sat watching kids playing t-ball or baseball stuff, right? Remember those days, right? I did some of that with, with our grandchildren. It's like I'm watching them playing t-ball, you know, and, 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 and uh, you know, Jace, who was local, we'd watch him when he was real. He had no interest in it, whatever. None, whatever. And when he was doing t-ball, it's like he's out in the field and he's, he's not even watching the game. No, I remember one day he's over. He's over at. Uh, I, I, he, he's 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 over at like third base, and uh, and he's just looking around at stuff. You know, <laughs> he's got no interest, whatever. And you know what? Whether it's summer or not, some of those days watching T-ball were freezing cold. And I'm like counting how many innings are we going here? How many of you parents have done that? Come on, tell the truth, right? How many innings are left? It's like yeah, it's like you know. Really? Can't you just walk the kid? He's had 97 pitches and he hasn't, hasn't hit one yet. It's like, right? No, we keep going till he has a hit. It's like, oh, Lord. Right? You know the deal. You know the deal. But you know what? Your kid might be the lousiest at sports, might be the best at sports. But you know what? Don't let your encouragement be based on performance. Let your encouragement be based on things like, you know what? I just love watching you play. I love us doing things together. Not just a case of, oh man, you really had a great hit today. I'm so proud of you. Be proud of them. Oh, you struck out today. It's, oh, don't worry. You'll be better next time. No, tell them something positive like, hey, I'm just glad to, that we can do stuff together because I like doing stuff with you. Encourage your children in positive ways. And if your children are 35 years old, they still need it. They still need it. 
Encourage them in every way that you can. In Matthew 12, 35, it says this, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What's in us comes out of us. Let's let positive things, encouraging things, realistically encouraging things come from our mouths. And then the third thing, and this is so important, your children need your example. There are lots of studies that point to this, and whether, your kid grew, whether a child grew up in a Syrian refugee camp, a housing project in the city, or a middle-class home here in Suffolk County, if they are a healthy kid, it's because they had significant adults in their lives who provided a good role model. The example that we provide our children is critical. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9, it says this, just make sure you stay alert, keep close watch over yourselves. Don't forget anything of what you've seen. Don't let your heart wander off. Stay vigilant as long as you live. Here's the next bit. Teach what you've seen and heard to your children and grandchildren. There was a classic Sunday morning about, I think about 17 years ago, 16 or 17 years ago. We had a classic Sunday morning. We were doing church in uh, what used to be the drive-in movie theater on, off Sunrise Highway in Patchogue. And uh, we were using that and renting that for our services Sunday morning. And I was doing a whole teaching series on family right back then. And I had this brainwave that as an introduction to the teaching, we would, uh, I, I talked to my grandsons who were probably like four and three at the time and have a conversation with them. And we didn't rehearse it. I wanted to see where it would go because I had something in mind. So we were sitting down on the stage and I'm there and, and Benjamin and Jace are there and they're sitting there. And we chat a bit back and forth, and I say to Jace, what do, you, what do you like doing? And he says, four years old, cutting the grass. Now, you know what it was? His father did some landscaping on the side, and sometimes he'd go along with him. And Jace was always absolutely infatuated with lawnmowers and stuff. If he was at our house, if he, if he could hear a landscaper somewhere, he'd go out and sit on our front porch and watch somebody just cutting the grass. And at that time, our son Jonathan drummed in our band at church. So I said to Benjamin, none of this was rehearsed, right? I said, Ben, what do you like doing? Playing the drums. So we talked a bit about Ben playing the drums. And what we found out really in that conversation was basically these boys had started to show an interest in what their dads had an interest in. And nobody had guided them, and nobody had told them to do it, and nobody was training them into it, but actually they were just following the role model of their parents. And then Ben stood up suddenly and burped. <laughs> and Jace stood up and pretended to burp. And then they stood up and down burping, 
and we decided it was time to end that conversation. Um, in fact, um, I, you know what? We'll um, can we post that on the church? We, we've still got the video clip of that. We'll we'll post the burping kids on um, on our on our church Facebook page today. Um, but but if you listen, to, but the conversation was significant until it all fell apart. It really was, and it was making the point that our kids don't just learn from what we tell them. Our kids learn from what they see. In fact, they probably learn more from what they see than from what we tell them. In Philippians 4, verse 9, the Apostle Paul said this to these believers. He said, whatever you've heard or received or uh, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So what he's saying to these people is this, do the things you've seen me do. Do the things that you've seen in my life. And if you do what I do, then the God of peace will be with you. And you know what? We need to live in such a way and parent in such a way and grandparent in such a way that we would be able to say, if you do the things that I'm doing, the God of peace will be with you. Children need good examples. They need us to model integrity. And above all else, they need us to model faith. They're not going to get that many other places. They need to see faith modeled within the family. Deuteronomy 6 verse 6 says this, write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside of your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking on the street. We got, it's okay, I'm reading the idiot screen and I, there's, there's a little bit more. I got it here. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Get them inside your kids. Tie them on your hands and your foreheads. Forehead's the symbol of knowledge. Pass on knowledge. Hands the symbol of action. Show them your faith through your actions. Listen, folks, we've got to do our utmost to be the best influence for God we can be on our children as they grow up in a world that is poles apart from the world that most of us grew up in. It's an evil world out there. That doesn't scare me. It makes me sad. Our kids are growing up in hostile environments, but we need to do more than protect them. We need to prepare them so that they themselves can be a light in the darkness. Just like I prayed with Carmela this morning, that she will fulfill God's purpose for her life. We want our children to fulfill God's purposes for their lives. Listen, kids need your example, and they need your example in faith. Now, it is impossible to impose your faith on your kids. God gave us all this thing called free will. 
We can't impose our faith, but we can be an example because kids are watching. They're watching how we talk to people. They're watching how we handle our finances. They, they handle how we, how, how home, they watch how home life is. And, and you know what? We need to be the godly influence for our children. And I want to tell you this. Um, sometimes it's going to mean that you compel your children to do things they don't want to do. I, I realized a few years ago that most families eat where the kids want to go. We're going out for dinner. Where would you like to go? They didn't ask dad. They asked the kids. Or it's, we're going to go here. Do you want to go there? No, I want to go to McDonald's. Okay, we'll go to McDonald's. Now, that's how life is. I mean, I, you know, that's how it is. Right or wrong, that's how a lot of society is nowadays, where the kids call the tune. I want to tell you this. Even though they're, they were pastors' kids, my kids did not always want to go to church. But they went. Who's the parent? Who's the parent? Who's the mature one? Who knows what matters? Who knows the significance of spiritually being built up better? What do you mean if they really don't even want to be there and they're a hissy fit? What's the point? What's the point is you keep pushing the principle. And if you push nothing else, here's what you push. Sunday morning is church. Sunday morning is church. A routine, a lifestyle that will stand your family in good stead. So, your children need your presence, your encouragement, and they need role models. And you might be sitting here this Sunday morning, though, and your children are keeping you awake at night. Whatever, they may be young children, they may be adult children. And I want to remind you what I said I wanted to title my talk today. Doing your best and trusting God with the rest. And I want to bring us to a moment of prayer just now as I close, where we actually just take a positive step to say, God, I'm trusting you. Can we just stand to pray? If you'd stand with me, I'd appreciate it. Let's just stand and pray. And here's what I, I want to ask you to do, okay? No, nothing weird with this, honestly. J just hold your hands out in front of you, okay, as we pray. And as you hold your hands in front of you, I want you just to kind of be thinking about your children or grandchildren or the children that are part of your life, as if they're being held in your hands just now. And I want you to take a moment, and we're going to pray along these lines. God, I think I've done my best. But now I hold my children before you. And I say, Lord, will you do the rest? There are problems we can't solve. There are behaviors we can't change for them.
What I want you to do today is just hold your children before the Lord and say, God, I've done my best. Will you do the rest? The Bible talks about casting all of our cares upon Him because He cares for us. Maybe your children aren't a problem to you and a heartache right now. They're a joy and a blessing, but the same thing still pertains. God, I'm doing my best, but I ask you to do the rest. Father, we thank you today for your best gift of children. God, as we hold our children before you in prayer, Lord, we know we haven't got it right by any stretch of the imagination all the time. But we've been doing our best. And we ask you to do the rest. Lord, they're your gift to us. Started with you. And Lord, we pray that you will continue to guide them, to help them. And we pray our God that they might accomplish the purposes for which you gave them life. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.